0: I'm singing my sorrow I'm singing my rage I'm singing this fear out And I'll sing it over and over again
1: Welcome to Change Making Women The podcast for women who make a difference With Siada Bade in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania And Marianne Clements in London, in the UK Hi and welcome to another episode of Change Making Women. I'm Marianne Clements in London in the UK and unfortunately Ziada can't be with us this evening Um, but I do have a guest with me and that's Julie Daly and I'm going to invite Julie to tell us where in the world she is and um, just yeah something about herself. Hi Julie.
0: Hi. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. I'm in San Francisco. Uh, Currently sitting in my apartment looking out over the fog coming in, but we have sun today too, so it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. San Francisco, California. Um, I am a women's leadership coach. I teach, I've been teaching for, gosh, um, 13 years, 13, no, 15 years, and been a coach that long as well. And I write. I love to write and I teach at Stanford continuing studies. I teach online and everything I do really revolves around the deep resource of creativity that we have within us, mm-hmm. um, around joy and beauty and power and around awakening us to be more human and more, um, more present on earth. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. and I should say I have six grandchildren and two daughters. So uh-huh. I always like to say that because I, I love my
1: my family. Yeah, that's an important, <laughs> an important addition, <laughs> additional <laughs> info. Um, I want to ask you about the story. Like what brought you to being a women's leadership coach at this point in your life? Like how did, how did, how did, mm. what was the journey like to get here?
0: Oh gosh, so... <laughs> long and convoluted like most Uh journeys Um, you know I used to be a systems analyst I sort of dropped into that a computer programmer and I Mm love that Um, got married very young was happily married and my husband died 23 years ago suddenly Mm -hmm. Which really launched me. I would say that the journey had started prior to his death in a way there was a kind of awakening in me around spirituality and the feminine, but I didn't have any really, I didn't really have words for it at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But the grief and the suddenness of his death really launched me into a journey that um, took me, has taken me a lot of different places. And at the heart of that has been really waking up to myself and who I am, but more specifically to waking up to what it is to be a woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I can see now in hindsight and retrospect that um, a lot of what happened to me as a child uh, was part of this journey and sort of waking up out of the trauma that i experienced but also the sort of the way that i developed a kind of capacity for logic <laughs> uh-huh. because that's what, what flew in my family you know especially with my sure. dad yeah um and had to awaken out of that to a certain extent so i could wake up into the feminine again and really creativity is is the mystery is the feminine deep inside is sexuality all of that comes out of this life force Um, And so the journey for me has really been not only my own journey of leadership awakening within myself, um, but I guess at the bottom of it is a kind of joy that I experience when I work with women. And when I teach at Stanford, I teach men as well. So I love, I love working with men as well, but there's something about what I have experienced and am learning to embody that seems to resonate more with women. But when I work with people and with women and it's like there's this moment and I imagine, I'm I'm sure, I can't speak for you, but I'm sure you experience this too when somebody sees something in themselves again that they hadn't seen for a long time and there's like a kind of joy that comes. Mhm-, in, mm-hmm. in that aha in that seeing of oneself that is so contagious and so beautiful, right yeah, yeah, and in that, I experience in myself again, it's like the, the relationality of it is so powerful, mm-hmm. um, and that's a lot of what I'm talking about these days is that deeper connection of life between us that I think we so deeply long for Mm -hmm. long to experience but that also scares us a bit
1: so I'm interested in like what what kind of situations bring clients to you I guess the work at Stanford is is more more of a course that people sign up for right but but in terms of like the the coaching you do what with people one-to-one and in groups and I've worked to do a bit in the past right mm-hmm. but excluding me for a moment <laughs> yeah. Yeah. what would you say um brings people to the the, the kind of work that you do
0: you know, it's always such a good question, isn't it? It's something that we, in our line of work, that we're always trying to figure out, right? For right. <laughs> my people. <laughs> right? and, and trying to articulate it is like, that, I don't know why it can feel so hard, but as I've looked back over these years, and especially lately, the people coming to me, um, what I notice is that there's this deep, well, there's a couple things. First of all, there's this, understanding and realization that they've come into the world they start to wake up to what do they come they've come into the world to do in a sense Mm -hmm. and there's an awareness that they're in touch with a kind of wisdom or intelligence or understanding or knowing that isn't mirrored in the culture isn't talked about isn't valued And yet they know they have to bring it into the world. Yeah. And the path to doing that is hidden because it's like, how do I speak about these things or how do I do this work um, into a culture or society that not only doesn't value value it, but on some level still wants to keep it away. And so the work oftentimes then is really that deep inside of us, we have that same pushing away. We have that same devaluation of the feminine or what has been hidden or these other capacities that we have as human beings, you know, that are not, they're not irrational, but non-rational. They're non-linear, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but we judge those ourselves inside. So ultimately the work is to, to free that up. Um, that's, that's one aspect of the work, but that's what I would say. Cause I have women who are high up executives in Silicon Valley and women who um, are artists and women who are doctors and lawyers, other coaches, executive coaches, but that's the underlying thing. It's less about what they do right now and more about, them wanting to bring this deeper wisdom into what they do sometimes they're going to change what they're doing but more often than not they want to bring it into what they're doing right now
1: so they're able to show up differently for the things that they do right
0: yeah yeah and sometimes it you know there are things that aren't there's like they're not necessarily a doing in the way we understand doing like it's not that the their job description is necessarily going to change but how they hold themselves and how they relate to other people and the kind of values that they know they have to honor have, have shifted. And like, you know, especially in certain Silicon Valley firms to when you start to honor things like compassion and love and um, it takes a lot of courage to begin to do that. Yeah. And
1: Like, as a person myself, who's, like, kind of stepped outside of kind of formal organisations a bit, I'm interested in that as a concept. And in fact, it's interesting, because last week we had um, uh, a guest who was talking, Nicole um, Shrub, she was talking about her book, and her book is, is very much about, like, how we bring... The, the feminine or how we bring these parts of ourselves that don't don't seem to be accepted by us and other people um back as it were and then I'm just interested in like what in what ways you can support people to do that because mm. I still see like um a lot of formalized work spaces and professional spaces as places where it's pretty difficult to do that so I'm intrigued
0: <laughs> yeah no it's a it's a really good question, and if we look around the world right now, and you know I'm in the United States, and I look at my own country, um, there's been what I would say is you know the really that toxic masculine is really evident, right. And, you know, when I say, and I know you understand this, but I want to say it just for everybody listening, that when I say the masculine, I don't mean men. Right, exactly. I was going to bring that, actually. (laughs) Right. Because it's really important um, that that we set that right from the beginning. Um, So you,
1: rather than men, you mean,
0: no, I just wanted to
1: to ask you to give your your definition of that, because mine might be, you know, I think similar, but. Could be oh, I was
0: talking to a man the other day about it, and it was just so hard to find a way to, like, word it so that he could get it. Um, but, you know, like, from the Chinese perspective, perspective, it's yang, the yang energies. Um, it's the certain energies or aspects or qualities of life that um, different systems have uh, uh, designated as masculine or yang. Yeah. So sort of outward going, bright, um, penetrating, straight, staccato. You know, I'm, I'm a dancer, five rhythms, so staccato is the masculine rhythm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you can't see me, but my hands are going like out, like yeah. straight arms yeah. out, right? Staccato, boom, boom, boom. That's kind of like a masculine energy where flow is the feminine. Moistness, darkness, um, relationality. You know, hierarchy tends to be more, quote unquote, masculine. So you can see the systems right now all, that we're in have been set up in a very masculine way. Um, by toxic, then I mean that when it's so out of balance, when there's no feminine or very little feminine energy present, then it, it becomes almost like it uh, eats upon itself. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Uh, mm-hmm. Feeds upon itself is what I'm trying to say, right? um and so i it's no wonder that there's all these women that have all these amazing gifts to offer and and have these realizations of the feminine and see things now that because the feminine was hidden now she's being revealed or she's revealing herself to us so suddenly we're seeing what's being revealed um it's no wonder that there's trepidation to bring that out into these institutions because it's like what's happened to the feminine over the centuries has been all burned or whatever you want to name it. Right. Whether it's metaphorically or literally. Yeah. Um, And yet, and yet it's what's needed.
1: Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm just going to like push you on that in a masculine way. (laughs) But, um, uh, when you say that it's what's needed, um, what's the, what, what's behind that statement, I guess, my question. Like, w- w- why would you say it's needed? It might be stating the obvious.
0: To me, it's, it's, it's evolution. Yeah. And it's the deeper question I really want to talk about. Um you know, To me, uh, the feminine, and this I know this, I'm a feminist, so (laughs) I know this can ruffle some feathers, but the feminine energies are nourishing and nurturing. Mm -hmm. They nurture life, you know, and that is evident in both men and women, right? But that hasn't been predominant in our world to nurture life in fact it's been the opposite we've really put money and greed over life so that which isn't worth anything isn't treated well or that which can't make you any money you know then you don't worry about um and the earth and herself uh is seen as commodities because that's what makes money versus this beautiful being that has a soul and that is our mother yeah uh, so from an evolutionary standpoint, um, if we're going to survive, we have to find a way to nurture life itself, to live for life itself. And that's what the feminine does. She lives for life. And that, you know, when that's toxic, it can be, you know, martyrdom and all these other things. But yeah. when it's fully embodied, it's not toxic anymore because you're not putting yourself second you're fully nurturing yourself and you're full of your own juice and then you're bringing that out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. There's this other piece too that I think, you know, um, I've just been really into Eros um, and reading about it and it's been coming to me to do, I've been doing a lot of writing on it, started a podcast on it, put it aside for a while, starting it out again
1: Mm -hmm. around Awakening
0: Eros. But, what I had to come to see in the meantime before I continued it, which I didn't know what it was till I saw it was the, the corresponding energy of Thanatos. Uh Eros is the impulse to live. Thanatos is the impulse to die. Uh So those are energies that are running in all of us. This desire to live, this desire to die, the energy to live, the energy to die, the energy to support life, the energy to support death. And if you look at our culture, and especially the American culture right now. um, There's this, like, a lot of thanatos, right? Human species has created these things, literally could destroy us. Yeah. Nuclear weapons, right? I mean, boom, gone. There's this drive toward death that's just crazy. And so one of the things that came to me a while back was what will save us is Eros, and so in in the beginning people were like that's crazy and i i didn't even understand why i was getting that message but the more i explored it the more i realized eros is the impulse to live yeah in its fullness right so we are taught that it's the erotic and sex and you know that's part of it but it's much bigger than that it's joy it's creativity it's expression it's really the life force being fully expressed into the world which to me, would balance out this crazy drive to kill ourselves. Mm. And Eros is known also as the feminine, um, as the feminine principle in, in a certain form. It's also known as soul. Um, and to me, that's what's really underneath all of this waking of the feminine is in women especially, trying to get us to express ourselves in this fullness and joy, creativity, sexuality, sensuality, just, just the happiness of being alive, the fullness of it, the, the beauty of it, um, the lived experience of it that's got to counteract whatever this other energy that seems to be driving us toward death. Right. Both literally and then also metaphorically, right? Yeah. Right, right. So to go back to your question about how do I work with women, what do they do? Because I don't think I quite answered that. It's like as I work with women in, in my coaching and whatever I do, I'm always listening for that voice of aliveness. Where is the aliveness? And then listening for where is the voice of death? Where, what's trying to keep that aliveness down? that's within us too, right? Where's the voice of judgment that's just so critical, so yeah. harsh, so punishing? That's, that's the voice of death inside, you know, that's not letting life express itself. Yeah. But the secret to working with it is that you've got to love all of it. You can't approach that voice with more judgment, with more harshness, more punishment. You have to, there has to be a space that holds everything in love. Everything in love, because this is what I know after coaching, after being a systems analyst, you know, for a long time, from a systems perspective, the system is intelligent. And when you help the system to be aware of itself, it will liberate itself. It will free itself.
1: i just want to run over that again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: It feels powerful, and 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 it and it also feels worth running over again. So you're saying, (laughs) um, and I totally resonated with what you said about you know the voice of judgment being like a a pushing down and a closing off of of -hmm. aliveness. And but 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 the thing that I thought was really powerful was that when you then said, and you can't. you can't kind of treat judgment with judgment. I don't think you use those words, but you, but, but, but judging the judging voice (laughs) just brings more judgment judgment.
0: (laughs) and more pain, pain in the soul, more uh, soul sickness, more grief. Um, And ultimately, you know, the work I do is transformational. You know, when you start with me and when you end, You're going to be a different person when you end. You're going to know yourself to be different and capable of something that you didn't know you were capable of. Because we, I mean, that's mirroring the fact that our species is in transformation. So there's so many coaches and so many people doing this work because we have to transform. And so when you love, the only thing that actually transforms anything truly is love. And you can feel that, right? You're a mom and you, you witness your child and you've had your own journey as a human being. It's like when you're truly loved, you grow. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the life in us. It's growing, right? The life force It's growing. It's um, our capa- our capacities are growing. They're strengthening. Our resiliency is growing. Our creativity grows. Our, the space within us as we know ourselves grows and it happens by, lo- it happens through love. Yeah. Once I got that in my coaching, it was something totally shifted in my coaching. And I got that through my own journey of awakening and through my own teacher, Ajish Shanti working with him, just like, Oh, he kept saying it. I didn't understand it because I was trying to get it from my intellect. But once your system gets it, then you realize in your, like in your own work personally that you can do with yourself when you're in meditation or journaling or whatever, when these things arise in you, you hold them in love, no matter what they are. Like if anger and rage and hate even come out, you hold it in love. Because ultimately underneath all of that is consciousness that's just forgotten what it is. Yeah. Which is love. Hmm. I think
1: that's a really powerful, it feels like a really powerful message. Um, and, I, and I love that you said the, the system is intelligent.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. It
1: liberates itself.
0: Yeah, right, right. Sometimes when I work with people, you know, and they'll say, well, I, I sent this thing, but I don't know what it is, and I'm trying to figure it out. And I said, have you asked it? <laughs> no, because not, we're not taught to ask things. We're taught to try to figure things out. But if everything in life is intelligent, then what happens is the feminine starts to come in. And instead of trying to do it from a top down, I'm going to figure it out. We start, we enter into a place of, of relationship. Yeah. Oh, I've got this like noogly little thing in my belly that's been really pushing on me. And I know there's something there and I'm really afraid to look at it. And I say, well, you want to open to it. You want to begin to talk to it, to listen to it. What is it trying to show you? What does it want you to know? What does it need? How does it want to move? Mm. Yeah. And yet,
1: yeah. And yet, the way we're programmed, I guess it's the way we're programmed from from this sort of logical linear mind is like, it's a problem. It's a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Because ultimately the our conditioned our conditioning, which is how we learn to be in the world, because you know we're loved unconditionally and we're loved conditionally as children. So as parents, parents do both, and the conditioning we pick up is the conditioning that we were taught that if you do this, you're loved, or if you do this, you're not abandoned. Yeah right so we keep then we perpetuate that conditioning um and that's one of the reasons we're so afraid to go into these new places because we're afraid that if we step out of the conditioning we'll be judged shamed humiliated abandoned whatever the word is yeah that's what really makes it hard to change in the world right that's where the unconditional love comes in
1: yeah, because it can be so, so scary when it's your own journey with that stuff. So and, scary. And yet when you hear someone else's, sometimes it feels so simple to say, but, you know, <laughs> right? You know? But why not just do it? <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, you know, whatever, some version Exactly. Of that, right?
0: <laughs> exactly, right, right. So then if you meet that instead with, I totally get, how scary this is. Yeah. And what are you afraid of? Right? You come in with love. You come in with witnessing, with listening, with not even an iota of, come on, just get it together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I, I'll I should say there, as the coach, there are times when somebody needs to be called forth. But that's also fierce love. It's not like, you stupid ninny, you should be doing this. It's like, I know you're capable of this.
1: Just do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think the reason people can ultimately do that is because they know the person saying it really, really, truly means it.
1: And that only works if a relationship has been established over time, right? Right. It's not the first base.
0: No. Yeah. Not usually. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I noticed too. It's one reason I only work with people like the shortest is six months. I'll do a year as well, but uh, it takes a while to establish that. It takes a while. And more often than not, you know, like in the beginning when you state what your goals are for the coaching, they're not what you really, really want. They're what you think you should be wanting. (laughs) And so then two months in we start to revisit that and it's like, yeah, that's not quite what I really want. What I really want to do is... <laughs> okay. <laughs> right.
1: I um I wanted to recall something from the work that we did together because I have this really strong memory of the di- of of some diagrams that were really useful for me.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You know
1: the and, and I don't remember what it was called and I don't, <laughs> I don't remember what the course
0: was called. It was but called entering it? the
1: creator creative enter, unknown I do how love. to enter
0: the creative unknown or something like that yeah yeah, yeah.
1: and I just love this I don't de- I, and I, I don't think I can actually describe it in logical words but um I just found that so helpful the the diagrams that were going uh down into the you know where things were kind of like into the um, pit, into the pit, basically, right? And I was going to say abyss, <laughs> and I don't sounds too much, but um, you know, these moments of revelation were actually coming. You know, the way that those diagrams, you know, helped me to see how the moments of revelation were actually coming out of, as it were, the kind of the hard yeah.
0: stuff. They come out of the abyss. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah,
1: and how that 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 you know that understanding and realization, though, I can't put it into words a few years later it has been so helpful for me.
0: Oh I'm um, so glad. Good. Yeah. yeah.
1: Good. And, <laughs> um it, yeah, and I still have a book, right? Where, where I've got those drawings. And I look at them sometimes <laughs> and I'm having a bad day. <laughs> or maybe so... draw another one. There's something about drawing it. I don't know what it is. I can, yeah. again can't put the words on it. But um
0: Yeah. You're absolutely right. You know, there's something when you get the body into it, the body has Wisdom that the um, conscious mind doesn't necessarily have access to right or doesn't want to access <laughs> you know if if the mind body connection is a little bit iffy then then um bringing the body into draw is going to bring out more information so yeah that that chart you're referring to is um from the course I teach at Stanford and it's also in my new course flourish um which is a lot of what you did in the course with me, but a lot more as well. Mm. Uh, But that chart is like a map that takes you through the journey from uh, thinking, you know, like, let's say you're starting out on with some great new thing you're going to do and you think you know how to do it. And suddenly (laughs) you realize you don't know how you're going to do it. Right. Right. (laughs) And you have to step off into the unknown. And that's what we're talking about the pit. And then eventually if you, if you, stay in there long enough and you truly acknowledge you don't know and you're re- willing to feel your discomfort and you're willing to listen and you're willing to play with that and do the strategizing necessary. You Eventually things come to you out of that unknown abyss or pit and then you come to a breakthrough and you come up the other side of the mountain so to speak. Yeah. So it's a map for that even though like in the middle of the map there's a big question mark because that's that place where you truly do not know you don't know how long you'll be down there and you don't know how deep it's going to go
1: yeah but the knowing that that's part of the process rather than what i think it felt like before that when that happened which is like that there was something quote-unquote wrong in some way you know yeah
0: yes that's
1: so valuable just the knowing that that's part of the 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 creative process or in pretty much most processes
0: (laughs) right well and what you're speaking i'm really glad you're mentioning this because what you're speaking to is our culture's tendency and this goes back to the toxic masculine that it knows yeah if you look around at people in charge they know Everybody knows, nobody's willing to say they don't know. And you know that nobody knows certain things because that's life, right? So we have a leader saying, I know this, I know that. I I can get you from here to there. Don't worry about it. You know, there's something in you that's going, "Uh," we want to believe that they can because then it sort of takes some responsibility off of us. But um, we've been trained that it's not wise to say you don't know because then people think you're weak and that you should know you should know everything. You should be able to figure everything out. Um, Sort of goes back to Descartes, right? I think, therefore, I am. Mm -hmm. But if you're really honest with yourself, there's so much we don't know. Most we don't know. And we're just making stuff up. Yeah. (laughs) The difference is that when we make stuff up, it's not... I'll refer back to like you know this is all evolutionary. It's not evolutionary. So we're trying to fix like if we if we throw out climate crisis. If we're trying to fix climate crisis with just the stuff we make up, the same stuff we've done over and over and over. No, we're never gonna fi- we're never gonna solve that issue. But if you go down into the pit where you don't know, you acknowledge you don't know what comes out of there. If you're really truly listening is an intelligence that's far greater than your own, uh, intellectual capacity. Yeah. And it's an intelligence that has wisdom for the whole and for the good of the whole. So it becomes much less personal and egoic and it's comes more out of your essential nature that's connected to the whole of life. And again, it goes back to eros and, um, that energy that's trying to express itself through you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Joseph Campbell called it bliss, follow your bliss. It, he called, he said it was the push out of your own existence. That's what it is. It's that life force trying to get free through you. And can you feel that yourself, Marianne, that energy trying to get free from within you? Yeah, I can.
1: And I, and I, I think that I um, am much more present to that, you know, now than I was some years ago. It doesn't mean I know everything or I have some, like, um, ultimate answer to anything. But I think I'm much more present to that. And what it actually means is that I'm more often aware that I'm in the abyss
0: (laughs) yeah right right but at least I'm aware that I'm there (laughs) I think we're in the abyss most of the time to be honest
1: (laughs) but it also means that um that that I feel like um more and more the things that I am doing and the things that I am creating are coming from a different place
0: yeah yeah
1: and that mm. matters to me immensely, so mm, yeah. How can were, um, well it just the first thing I would say is that it feels so much better in my body, mm. it, everywhere. to be acting from a place of what, of what feels like integrity with you know what you described, I guess, uh, that life trying to <laughs> come out of me, you know?
0: Yeah, because that's you yeah right it feels good because it's you it's the yeah. real you yeah exactly that's what I think is so important for everybody to hear right it's like you're coming straight from you it's, it's like we're then we're, we're in integrity we're telling ourselves the truth this is what I'm really here to express and there's you know when you feel that in your body what are the qualities that you're feeling what are the words that would describe what you're feeling is it okay if I put you on the spot? Yeah, yeah. No, I was just thinking, oh, now I'm on the
1: spot. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> Good. Um, what the qualities are in my body are like an expansiveness mm-hmm. and um, a peace. I, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what the word I was going
0: to use I heard in your voice is peace.
1: Ooh and um and then there's you know like a bit of a tingling and and some sort of sense sense of of love yeah
0: Uh, yeah i hear a little bit of joy yeah Uh, sort sort of a like a a soft kind of surprise joy like a not like you're surprised but like um like <laughs> yeah and almost like a wonder
1: oh yeah and you know it's it's good that you mentioned that one because wonder is something i realized quite a few years ago that i really struggled with
0: mm. you really?
1: know one of the things that i had like banished <laughs> you know like yes. wonder and like ooh, you know that sort of was something that just you know, didn't feel okay. And for whatever reason, you know, I don't know exactly the story, but, but like that, that was just not something that was, you know, serving my conditioning, I guess I would call it now. Um, you know, so like wonder was like, no, you know?
0: So that's exactly what happens, right? That's the Mm -hmm. voice of judgment that's keeping this life force down. Exactly. You said you, you said you banished wonder. So anytime you could feel anytime that part of your psyche could feel wonder it pushes it away
1: yeah and it's yet like that's
0: that. exactly what i felt when you spoke was like oh there's wonder in there
1: and i definitely feel like
0: i'm more
1: aware of it now but i but i but i but i, but I came to that realization a while ago that like wonder was like something that i found really difficult you know mm-hmm. um and you know it's through through various things that I've done that I've realized I actually wonder is something I, I actually, you know, I, I, I want to say yes to wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Why would and, I not, you know?
0: Well, and in what I would say from the work I do and what I teach and what I've seen is that wonder is what you are. Mm. Mm. Cause you are that life force. You're that impulse to live that expression of wonder and peace and whatever else it is you're feeling, that's you. And so that voice, it's literally keep you, you're keeping yourself down. Yeah. You, me, uh, everybody listening, I'm sure. Right. That's yeah. Yeah. Right. And so can you feel how in that moment, everybody listening, you know, just feel the, that juxtaposition between this, you that's trying to get out and then the part of you that's keeping yourself in the, how much energy that takes to keep yourself in.
1: Right. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and, and my sense is that as I've worked with that in various ways and shifted that, that, um, that that's been a massive relief, you know, not having spent so much energy pushing parts of myself down and i don't i definitely don't think i've reached perfection with that you know no
0: no right Right. yeah i think if we're all honest that's true right i don't know if we ever do have a full unless you're i guess a fully awakened enlightened being no longer does that but i think that sort of just continues but hopefully it lessens and lessens um but I think that's why I, I love talking about arrows because it's really pointing to that. I mean, cause when you think about it, that full expression does include your sensuality and your sexuality, your creativity, your joy, your all of you, right. That so much of us keep down. And can you feel how, if you were held in a space of love, that that might shift how much you hold yourself down?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely, and I think it's. Um, I think I, I also have like other tools for that that I work with, my clients with, which are, you know, have slightly different languaging, but are very mm-hmm. similar. A similar uh, take take them to a similar place. So I, um, yeah, I, t- I yeah, yeah, I totally, I totally think that holding that with love and respect is um is is the way basically but I but what I think what's interesting about it is that that's the opposite of what we tend to do yeah instinctively because we're so conditioned right so that's the point but um but yeah it's it's it, it, it it's an interesting kind of thing for people to see that that that's actually the opposite of what we've been doing to ourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so I would say, as I'm hearing that, you know, I would say that my role then is that if I go back to eros, my role is like the the nurturer and nourisher and champion of of life expressing itself. Yeah. So I'm nurturing eros to come forth. Is what I'm doing. This is yeah. really helpful for me to actually articulate for the first time this way. Um, because there's, there have to be spaces where we can go, where we feel that, where we feel this unconditional acceptance and love of what is within us to come out into the world. Because yeah. we fear so much what's within us. Because not only how we were conditioned at home, but the voice of judgment also has a societal cultural level as well, right? There's yeah. a huge cultural voj that says all the aspects of the feminism men so feared are projected onto women and then we project that onto ourselves we fear that in with, within ourselves so our all of these capacities within us that are so powerful as women we fear yeah we fear the power the powerful force that they are and so we see that mirrored in the world and the last thing we want to do is actually express it but it's the thing that needs to be expressed. Yeah right? to, to counteract that thanatos, that that direction we're headed toward death.
1: Yeah, both within us and out there in the world. Yes. And I love uh, yeah, I love I love the way you described yourself. <laughs> As a champion of that nurturing and nourishing. Because we because we need those spaces to I guess um try out what it's like to be held in that way yeah because we can't jump straight to holding ourselves in that way
0: because it's not a, not usually jump yeah, yeah not, not usually yeah but, but that's what's so beautiful about i think you know when you look at the especially the online spaces but there's many offline spaces as well but i you know i started on twitter back in 2000 i don't know Seven or something mm-hmm. you know many of us have been on for a long time in these spaces and um to me that's what was being created was like this web of connection of women doing mm-hmm. very similarly that um while sometimes people might see it as um you know uh what's the word i can't even think of the word anymore um i can't think of the word i'm sorry I mean, to me, it's like supportive. Yeah. Oh, competition. That's what I was. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I I don't see it that way because it's this web of life, this web of women coming together and men too, but mostly I I'm involved with women coming together to support each other, yeah, and to mirror things to each other and to share each other's work and to grow off of each other, and it's quite fascinating. It's really very uh, nature seeming, you know, natural world seeming, you know, webbish and uh, Mm. roots of of the trees. Now, you know, they've done the study that trees take care of each other. Trees talk to each other through Mm -hmm. their system, you know. Um, And that's how I see it. I see that that's been happening for a while now with women to really bring forth what we must bring forth.
1: I wanted to ask you about two things before we finish. I wanted just to say a little bit more about your, your flourish course.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, It it includes um, most of what we did in in the work that you mentioned. So Mm. we go through the first four tools that are um, having faith in your, in your own essential nature, naming, and then quieting the voice of judgment. Um, becoming aware of who you are and the world itself and your relationship with it. And then growing a sense of wonder and learning to ask and receive um, as a way to be in the world that's different than judging. Um, Wonder specifically, I think is a very important word. But one of the things that I've added in the beginning is this, focus on choosing to be in the world. Mm -hmm. Many of us are hovering outside of our lives. Yeah. Right? Not quite really saying yes. So choosing to be in the world, choosing to take a stand and then rooting deeply into, into life itself, rooting into the earth, rooting into the body as a grounding force. So when you step into the abyss, if you're really deeply rooted into the earth, there's more of a foundation sort of explicitly holding you Mm -hmm. not that it wasn't before, but we're making it explicit.
1: And then, um,
0: yeah. Yeah. And then the rest of the course is shifting it quite a bit from what I teach at Stanford. So it's more based in, um, soul, like, you know, this, um, sense of our purpose in the world, uh, really bringing in the uniqueness. It is, the uniqueness of the soul and that the soul is the body. So there's this um, kind of soul essence, but there's also the very physical matter of the body itself mm-hmm. and the uniqueness of the body and how to begin to language that and find words for your own uniqueness as a woman, as a soul, as a body. Um, it, uh, then we go deeper into the voice of judgment. So, really looking at the cultural judgment um, in lots of different ways that keep us down, keep us hidden, keep us not expressing, and also keep us from each other. So, looking at the cultural judgments around, um, you know, like misogyny and racism and, and things that are so important right now for us to look at because, you know, life itself celebrates the diversity of life. Mm-hmm. There's no judgment about it. It's like every single being is needed and loved. So looking at the ways that we get in the way of that. Um, And then the next week is around love and relationship and actually different ways to organize culture and companies and teams so that all voices are heard, so that the intelligence of a system can flow as it needs to flow. And looking at sort of this idea of one woman that we don't really know womanhood until we've heard from every voice. Mm. And then the last week is on um, self-respect, self-dignity, self-love, self-compassion, and uh, finding the deep roots of those things and bringing those forth into the world. Sounds amazing. How do people join? We'll put the page
1: in then yeah.
0: And just opening up registration for the summer uh, cohort, right now I'm in the middle of the spring one and it's going really well. So they can go to juliedaily.com slash flourish mm-hmm. and uh, read about it. And they're small groups because the work is pretty deep. So the first group I had thought maybe 16, but I'm thinking they're smaller now, maybe more like 10 or 12. hmm just so that there's lots of time for reflection and um, the group big enough so that there's a kind of rapport in the group, but small enough so that everybody feels like they have time and they're heard. Yeah. And then there's a coaching call, uh, a one one one-on-one coaching call with me that's included as well Uh at any time during the course. And it's all done on zoom. So we get to see each other. (laughs) <laughs> um, and I also offer slides like I do in, in the classes I teach at Stanford. So there's, there's real curriculum that's 30 something years old. It's very deep, beautiful stuff. Um, but lots of lived feminine um, calling forth and love and nurturing as well. Mm. And you have a podcast. Yeah, I'm just starting it up again. I have two, so two only two segments right now, but it's called Awakening Eros. Mm-hmm. and um, it, it makes me so happy because it's really, I think at the heart of it is what I've been trying to awaken in myself is this deep creative joy. And I just read, there's this, do you know the artist Cecil Collins? Cecil Collins. He's British. Uh, he, he's passed away a long time ago, but I have his book, um, mm-hmm. and I've been rereading it. He was just such a wise man. He was an artist, but also a writer and a mystic. And he said, you know, at the heart of it, he used the word God, I'll say spirit, whatever, is is creative joy. Mm -hmm. That is spirit. It's the joy of creation. And so to me, Awakening Eros is like this, it's the joy of creation. It's like, if if you can imagine that within yourself waking up, Mm -hmm. the joy of being, the joy of expressing, the joy of loving, um, the joy of touching, you know. The joy of being in a body. That's what the podcast is about. I have no idea where it's going to (laughs) go. I'm really in the abyss with this one. (laughs) And I was nervous about it because so many people think it means the erotic and sex and and I'd get these funny comments and I thought, you know, okay. So they think that I'm here to explore all of what it is. And it's been my journey to sort of step into that, you know? Yeah. So it's my edge. Mm -hmm. Which is very exciting.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that people can find via your website too,
0: right? Yeah. It's on podcast and on the menu. Yeah. In the menu. Cool. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for being with me tonight, TV. Um,
0: it's been such a pleasure. I, you know, I loved it when we did the course together, and um, I love seeing you around the social media spaces, but just to be here one-on-one with you has been just such a pleasure.
1: Yeah, you managed to turn the tables on me a little bit as well. I think in 60-something episodes, you're the first person that's done that effectively. <laughs>
0: Oh, good. To me, it, I mean, that makes it the really good conversation, right? And, and I just, just had to go there because your voice was like so lit up when you talked about your body. You could start to hear this like richness come through. It's like, oh, look at that. <laughs> so you can tell that I love what I do because as soon as I start to see that and hear that in somebody, it's like, I'm totally, just like, I'm totally there. Tell me that. Tell me what you're feeling. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it was a really good illustration of how you work as well like a little snippet for people a little snippet right, right? <laughs> a little snippet right <laughs> so I enjoyed it too
0: <laughs> good good and you know what I think it was helpful wasn't it to to name wonder to to everybody listening you have named wonder mm. as something yes. you pushed away but yes. that is actually you absolutely
1: absolutely and those um realizations are so valuable aren't they because then we can move with them and act on them differently
0: yeah Yeah, and 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 if you are wonder and you acknowledge that and state it out loud and you feel it in your body that's actually who you are it's it's part of the awakening process your consciousness just expanded a bit thank you
1: And our theme tune, Over and Over, was written and performed by Eleanor Brown, who you can find at eleanorbrownmusic.com.
0: I'm Ziada Abade in Tanzania.
1: And I'm Marianne Clements in the UK. And you've been listening to Change Making Women, a duo-origin podcast about
0: women and creating change in the world, broadcasting from two or more continents each week. You can follow us at Changemaking Women on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter You can subscribe and catch all our previous and future conversations at iTunes podcast, SoundCloud or Stitcher.
1: All our shows are also available at www.changemakingwomen.com, our website, where you can find more information about the shows and our guests. If you enjoy our show, please do share the show with your friends and colleagues. And another really helpful way you can support what we're doing is to write a review and rate us on iTunes Podcasts if you're an Apple user. It helps other people find out about our show.